kids. Hello, this is Jess. This is Elsa. And this is the I2 podcast. And we've got a really like San Antonio guest today. Yes. I'm trying to bring it out. So, stay tuned. Okay, so here we are, episode 23. Yes. And I'll have my our guest introduce herself. Hi, uh, my name is Isabel Ann Castro. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Or how will, what was your trajectory <laughs> to where you are right now? Oh, yeah. Jess's living room. <laughs> how did I get here? Uh, She's the cliff notes. Or I guess where so would people know you from? Um, okay. Oh, I forgot my Twitter handle. Oh, no, my Instagram Twitter handle. It's Queen of Tacos TX. Um, most people know me like they're like, oh, it's the queen of tacos, or they're like, <laughs> or they're like La Reina, and I'm all, that's cool, I yeah. keep that. Um, but I'm around town all the time. I'm an illustrator. I organize uh, for San Anto Zine Fest. I'm the art director of Santa Susia. Uh, what else do I do? Oh, I'm in like Chile the Vinyl Club, the San Antonio oh, chapter. Right, yeah. um, so you're a multi hyphenate. Yeah. yeah. When do you sleep? That we'll answer that later. Yeah. But that's like one of my main questions. I like astral project. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I started following you. Oh, <laughs> it must have been 2015, 2016-ish. Um, because you did provide like a different look into like a San Antonio that I'm not familiar with. Um, and it was a very honest portrayal. I think you were very real, or you are very real. And I think I started following when your dad was, when he was still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that dynamic because he was kind of like, what do you, what do you call him? Like, he's, he's very, like, grouchy, like, cantankerous, but he's like, also very sweet. He's the jefe. Yeah. But he's he was real sweet, like, to me. Like, I was a baby. I have an older sister. Uh-huh. How much uh, older? She's four years older than mm-hmm. I am. And she's very, like, uh, kind of type A. Um, and I'm, like, real silly. And, like, hey, let's do this weird thing. And she's just like, no. <laughs> uh, and so but uh, she lived in Austin uh, most of, like, her college and even after college. So I was, like, the kid that was home. Yeah. And then I went away to Texas State and came back. And then that's when my dad got sick. Yeah. And so, but, like. I loved being around him like all the time. So it was, it was really cool because um, when I graduated and I came home, I got a job at the county and it was like four minutes from my house. So I could go home on my For hour lunch, lunch and yeah. be like, hey, I got tacos, dos de lengua. And yeah. he'd be all happy and be like watching Caso Cerrado and yelling at the television. <laughs> um, but yeah, I put a lot of uh, like, I put a lot of that online, like that my father was sick uh, and just kind of shared that that uh a journey yeah and it and it was it was it was nice for me because it was like uh i could share it and it was something my sister who wasn't as close at the time could like look at from a distance and know what was going on because if you tried to like conquer she was just like hey i'm really busy and you're just like okay well you know dad's doing cool but then she could like kind of see through that lens but also people who had knew my knew my dad somehow like my dad was um, kind of involved with my mom, like with my mom doing like, if there needed to be like a PTA fundraiser and somebody had to like grill something or he would like help out. Yeah. And so people knew him and like, I just wanted to kind of share that. 
because I think uh, especially in like the Latino community, there's taboo around mental health. And it's like, what do you do when you're watching someone you love die? And it's like kind of, it's kind of weird. Um, but I was able to share that and it's, it helped. It was a nice release for me, but it helped like people I know who still have their parents around, you know, like call, pick up the phone and call their parents like, hey, you know, how are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, and it kind of gave uh, there was there's like a like a dead dad community, like the dad club. And people were like, hey, I lost my dad when I was this age. And yeah. And it was like suddenly we could like bond over something and they could like, you know, walk me through that process. And when he passed away, like even the grieving process, I think. Um, he must have passed away, and then I ran into you at the mix, and I don't know, it was like after the Chicano Batman show, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, oh, I remember, yeah, going there, and... And the band was there, and everybody's like, you know, having a good time, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry about your dad. Uh, like, it's not me, like, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, we're at a bar, it's not a place where you bring that stuff up, but yeah. it was like, I followed her and him and his journey through, like, a year and a half, and I was like, oh my god. Because I don't like it's it makes you empathize or try to empathize like what that would be like. Yeah. Um, especially when you're like there through all of it. Yeah, like I was around for all of it. I helped take him to appointments and would like bring him food and like like I was there all the time. And my mom was there most of the time, but then she was also taking care of my elderly grandparents. Mm-hmm. So it was just like elderly grandparents and her like sick husband yeah so it was a lot for her so i just tried to make things easier and be like hey dad like what do you want to eat today and just like giving him what he wanted and listening like hey you want to listen to the radio together and yeah and doing things like that but yeah like everyone after what happened everyone was like oh my god i'm so sorry and i was like thank you but like i was actually okay yeah because i spent so much time with him that i'm like i know who i am and who he was to me and like what parts of him make up me and I was, I was like, okay, like we had our time together, and it was sweet. And now it's over, but that doesn't mean like suddenly, it doesn't, suddenly, it doesn't like it. I but like my my life wasn't like caving in on itself. I was just, I didn't feel whole anymore, but I didn't feel like at a huge loss, right? Because I was like, nah, like we had a good go. Like it was cool. Yeah. So, what's your favorite memory you would say from that time? Uh, from when my dad was sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I I just joined to leave the vinyl club, <clears throat> and like the night that I was gonna DJ for the first time, I had some of like my records, but they were like punk records, and I was like, "Hey, Dad, can I use some of your records?" Because he had some, and he and he was like, "Yeah, go get them." And he had given them to me. I go, "You can have these and everything," because he saw that I had records, and like when he went like through his rec like the records, he like was just picking up one uh, one album at a time saying like, this record was produced by this guy. He's from my hometown in Mexico. Right. His uncle like knew my dad. And then like picking up another one says, this is the best song on the album. It's about like being in love from a distance. And he was like picking up like all these records and yeah. he just knew everything about it and was like singing along and it was really cool. Um, but just like, it was like sitting like on his hospital bed and just talking and knowing like how much knowledge he had about his like favorite music because he was just going off like just geeking out over like oh you want to listen to this this is a really good this is the best song on the album or these three songs like if you want to play this play this song uh it was that was a really good moment and i have the audio recorded for it because i was a creep and i would like 
uh, record conversations. You also don't That's so awesome. So you could hear like his enthusiasm from what he was yeah, sharing. Yeah, and and like I before he got sick, I kind of started recording my conversations with my parents. Um, and like I'm really glad I did because I have there's just recordings where I like set my phone in the kitchen and I like make food, uh-huh. so you can hear my dad watching television. And he's like trying to fix his little radio. He has his radio and he was trying to fix it. And then you hear like the dog come in and you hear its, its little collar. <laughs> and I'm like making food and like washing dishes. And he's just like talking at the television. <laughs> and it's just like something I can hear. And it just like creates a world in my mind. And oh, I can, like, that's look awesome. through those memories and find little things. And yeah. He's like says stuff under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like, like I was documenting as much as I could. And so I hope to like use those like photographs and audio files and put them into a graphic novel uh-huh. um, to help like about like me and my dad, and, but from the perspective of a little kid and just to help children cope and understand death and not realize it's the end. Mm-hmm. Like when someone's gone, they're not really gone. So, yeah, I think it was especially, I mean, when you went to Mexico to his grave and helped clean it up for Dia de los Muertos, I was like, that's, so like full circle and like checking in and being with yeah. family and not being I mean obviously there's some melancholy but you're not entirely sad it was like yeah this is his life and it was great well the funeral itself was amazing so he passed away October 7th and my birthday was like the next week and I was just like real sad um and we had to like wait we were just like let's try and go for the de los Marcos and bury him now but like there was flights People are traveling in, so we're like, okay, well, we're going to wait until we wait until like Thanksgiving week because my mom would be off of school. And so we went, and it was, I was really nervous. I had, that was my first time going back to Mexico since I was like 11. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, will they even know me? Like, this will be weird. Like, saying, like, here's my dad in a box. Sorry, we've been gone so long. It was really weird. And it was the only reason why we didn't go back is because traveler restrictions got really hard after 9-11 cause we used to like road trip down yeah. and then it got crazy. And my mom's like, we can't fly there. Like it's really difficult. So when we were going back, we like had his ashes yeah, cremated and I was really nervous. But then like I got them, me and my sister and my mom got like the most like nicest welcoming from my family. And like all of my uncles look exactly like my dad, just like different versions. Maybe uh-huh. one's like chubbier, maybe one's like 10 years younger. And like, so it was kind of be cool to be like embraced by like different like aspects of his personality. Uh And it was really, it was really awesome. We had a wonderful time and like the night of the ceremony, like the volcano erupted. That's like outside, he lives in the mountains, small town in the mountains. Yeah. The volcano erupted and it was raining ash from the sky. And so it was like little snow flurries, like coming down from the sky. We were in this uh, church and it had big garage doors because no AC. And so you just see it like it was nighttime. It's just like kind of raining snow flurry, like ash flurries ash. outside. And it was, um, and while I'm, my dad was raised Catholic, but he wasn't not, he was like non-practicing Catholic. Um, but me and my sister weren't raised Catholic. Uh, like, I don't know any of the prayers, but what I found like a very, it was like meditation was listening to everybody who like came out, like people uh-huh. came out from all over the town who'd like, knew my dad from his whole like his life yeah. in Mexico like they came out and like their prayers were like meditation to me and it was very calming and I was like oh 
And then the next morning we woke up and we went to the, the cemetery and it's like massive. Like you can't even like see the end of it. It's just so massive, but everyone has like tombs. Mm-hmm. Not many people are buried like in the, just like straight in the ground. Like right. little, everybody has like tombs and some tombs come up and they're like real big. But we had a, there was mariachis. Uh, we had a procession like through the cemetery and everybody walked and it was so beautiful because like the sun was out. It was like nice and cool. Um, and there were still like little flurries of, of ash and it was just like magical with the mariachis playing as we walk in and then we get there they kept praying uh they kept playing and like my tío Isaac showed up who uh, is like 10 years younger than my brother and looks like my dad from like six years ago oh my god so when he showed up we were like what the fuck like freaked out and then uh like the mariachis are singing and then he told the guy like i'm gonna sing now you just play and so my Theo Isaac was singing like all of the songs and he's a great singer. And uh, he's, he is like a butcher from the next town over. And so he like drove in for the funeral and then showed up and like started singing. Wow. And it was really crazy. Uh, like it was like, I cried a lot. It was a really big emotional release, but it was like the most magical funeral I'd ever been to. This was like, what a moment. Flurries, I know. She's playing. Yeah. Like well, my sister who like doesn't really show a lot of emotions, like crying. I'm like, okay, this got you. Like, <laughs> uh, and then like all of these people, and like people don't even know that I've known my dad like since he was a little kid. Like old women, yeah. Like like you know, sit, they're sitting on other tombs and just watching. It was really crazy. I took tons of photos, and like I have the audio files from the mariachis. I have the video from the procession, but it was so beautiful and it was very healing. Because yeah. it was like we couldn't have like planned this better. Like it, it just went super smoothly, and then afterwards we had a big party and we were like drinking with my uncles, and they were they hired a harp player to come play and it was like an old man. Oh wow! And he was just playing songs and like, it was just like a very healing ending to that. And then when we came home, suddenly it was like back to reality, and now now you really grieve. Yeah. And it was like oh shit like, this is weird. The house is so quiet. Like I would avoid going home because the house was so quiet. Cause normally my dad would be awake and be listening to the radio or watching TV. So I'd be like, this is so weird. And I was like, no, this isn't fair to my mom. Like I should be home with her. And so like we started to like kind of clean up his stuff and like get rid of things. I drove around with a bag of his clothes. Like we were supposed to take him to Goodwill. Yeah. I just had a bag of his clothes in my car for like six months. Wow. And then I was ready. I was like, okay, goodbye bag. And I like held the bag and then like handed it off to the dude. <laughs> the guy at Goodwill yeah. was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> But we went back for Dia de los Muertos the next year. It was just me and my sister traveling alone in Mexico. We met up with my tío in Guadalajara and we spent time with him and uh, our grandfather, Don Pedro, who's like an old, old version of my dad. Like if you just, like if there was like a fast forward, he would be an old version oh of my, my dad. Gosh. How old do you think he is? He's gotta be like 95, but he still walks wow. around and does like his own thing. That and is so, so crazy. So we were like visiting family, like we went to Colima, we took a road trip to like Mazamitla, which is like in the mountains. And it, uh, we saw like them preparing for their Day of the Dead event. And like, we just spent a lot of time with them. And like, I have a language barrier. My sister can speak fluent Spanish, but like I can barely speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. I have to be immersed and then like it starts yeah. coming back, but I'm never like fluent. And so like, despite my language barrier, I still like, gave love and felt love and just spending time, like even just quietly, cause I wasn't on my phone. 
wasn't doing anything, just spending time with my, my grandfather and my uncle. And we had a very lovely time. And then it was like, okay, time to like, let's go to the cemetery and we clean the tomb. And we like bought flowers and we bought all this stuff. And I had like brought things. Yeah. I made a mixtape for my dad <laughs> of like his records. Oh. Um, but like that was what I was doing the night before that we left. I was like making, like putting my records on and making a cassette tape, mixtape. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know the first place to start with that. Like making my, making a mixtape at this point, you know? Well, it goes like, I have my record player that goes into my stereo. Yeah. And so I had to test it and be like, does this work? Okay, cool. I have like six hours to make a mixtape. <laughs> I've already packed my clothes. No I've sleep. showered. No sleep. I'm just going to make a mixtape to like, and I have these, uh, I have these cassette players that have a speaker on them. So like, it was my intention to like go down there and just play his favorite songs, like from the records that he like yeah. showed me. And so I was like making the mixtape. Right, like the last song when my sister had her backpack on, she's like, let's go. Yeah. We need to leave now. And I started like, finish it, put it in the thing, uh, put it in the little uh, case. And then we like got my backpack on and my bags and we like left to the airport. And then, but when we were decorating and I like put it out there and I press play <laughs> and it starts with like Pedro Infante. And I was like, yes, it worked. It. Like it worked, we did it. And like, everything was like so beautiful. And it was everybody around us like coming in and cleaning their tombs during the day yeah. and then like setting up all their candles and their flowers. It was, everyone's like, the photos from I have are people are like, it's Coco in real life. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, man. I I'm was like, just going to say that. <laughs> it was Coco in real life. Everything was beautiful. There was tons of people. And then there was even like, like a procession of, there was like, you hear Margachi's here, over there, over there. Like you hear like all of it. And there's like people selling food. So it was like, the sights and sounds and smells. And then like you heard like a parade, but it was like the, I forgot what they're called. And I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not gonna say it, cause I'm gonna say it wrong. But it was like the indigenous, <laughs> the indigenous dancers of the, or um, one of their members had passed away of like an indigenous dance group. Uh -huh. And so they were doing like a whole parade. And so like you hear like all the, all the little beads like shaking like But it's like, 50 of those people wow. and so it's real loud and so everybody went to go watch them and they did like a special ceremony for their friend but it was just like sights sounds and smells of Diodoros Martos and everybody like bringing like fresh bread and like uh, all these different types of drinks and it yeah. was it was it was so celebratory that it was just an amazing like healing time of like okay like since you passed we had a very beautiful funeral but then it was back to reality and it was like coping and like grieving mm -hmm. And like now I'm starting to feel whole. And then like Dia de los Muertos was like really awesome because I spent so much time with my family and then I got to return to the grave. And it was just like, I feel the closest I felt to whole again. Mm -hmm. And now I can move forward with that feeling in my chest. And it was just totally amazing. And so did I don't- hear, Did Gali get to meet him? <clears throat> no, wow. he was like friends with me on Instagram when my dad was still alive. And even like my closest friend, like Natasha, who I work on the zine with, she met my dad a bunch. And my dad would always like try and give her like fruit. And be like, oh, are you hungry? Like, even when he was sick, he was always trying to feed people. Yeah. Um, and then but, like, like people I went to high school with who I'm still friends with, they have known my dad. Uh, but even some of like my closest friends now, they like, they're like always like, man, I wish I met your dad. And I'm like, well, like, you know, parts like, cause it, the, I like learned, I learned a lot of stuff from him that are now like 
in my everyday habits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, how'd you learn how to do that? Like how to properly cut a grapefruit? And I'm like, oh, my dad taught me. Yeah. Like cutting grapefruits is a, it's a bitch. <laughs> but he, like, he saw me doing it and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And he like took it and threw it away. And he gave me another <laughs> one and gave me a knife. And he's like, let me show you how to do this. And so like, he just like taught me a lot of things that like I can teach other people. Yeah. But I'm like, no, like this didn't just like come out of nowhere. Like my dad who lived in the mountains of Mexico, like taught me how to do this shit. And now I'm teaching you. And so it's like none of it, like just because he's gone, like I haven't forgotten like yeah. all the shit he taught me and like wanting to share that. How many years has it been? We're going on three years. Okay. Three years. And we're like last year, it was like a zine fest was, that was the only day we could get for like San Anto zine fest. And so that week, the first, the first time, uh, it was like the anniversary of his death. We had like, each one of us had a day. My sister had a day. I had a day. We got to pick, like, we all get a day to do like what we want that would feel good. So my sister had like a spa day and we all just like spent time together being pampered. Um, my mom was like, she wanted to go. We ran, we mostly helped take care of my grandma, but we went to uh, San Jose church and she just prayed and we like sat outside and it was very nice. And then on my day, we went to the Pulga and walked around. Which one do you go to? I go to Mission. Yeah. It's, it's like, I live on the next street. What? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I like our property goes like all the way back to that street. Uh-huh. I have three acres. Like, okay. It's crazy. So like, I, and that's where he, he would bend on like Sunday, okay. Saturday on the weekend. Like my uncle who lives with us, he's vending on Saturday yeah. and Sunday. And so like, that's where I've like grown up. Is like, dad, buy me some corn. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted, like give me some money so I could buy some stickers from this lady. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, like that was, wait, what was it? I don't know, but like. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we would, we would go there and it was, I don't know, it was nice. <laughs> um. We're already 20 minutes in, but I feel like there's so much more to talk about. It's, I can so it's going to be a good episode, <laughs> a good long one. Buckle up. Um, let's start about mm-hmm. when did you realize you wanted to be an illustrator? Uh, I think I was always like artistically inclined, and my mom fed into that with like, hey, like, here's a coloring book. And then I was like, okay, this is, I filled out all the photos and did the colors. <laughs> And then I was like, I would like a bigger set of crayons, more options. And well, then I would just, and then I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I just like want blank paper. And so she would, she would just like give me little things here and there. Like, hey, here's like a cheap watercolor set, like from like, like you know, I was at the store and it was cheap, and I got it for you. I'd be like, oh hell yeah. Um, and she would even give me, like, uh, when pantyhose were a really big thing. And they would sell them in the rectangles, not in like the balls. Oh yeah. But like the cardboard that was inside, uh-huh. like just holding it its shape. Yeah. Uh, that was like a good piece of like nice white yeah. cardstock. Cause she was like, I'm not gonna go buy you Bristol board. That shit's expensive. <laughs> so she would just give me those because she was a teacher wearing pantyhose all the uh, time in the nineties. Yeah. So she would just give me those and I would like I would even like do my own like Garfield comics. Wow. Like I would do like John and Garfield and Odie, but they would be Can't on imagine. my they'd be on my storyline. Like I would put them in weird situations. I watched like tons of cartoons and I would like redraw those characters, but in my own stories. And I would make I would make zines, and I didn't realize I was making zines until like I pulled something out like a couple of weeks ago, like in 
and an album. And I was like, dude, I was making zines. Like, like my first zine. <laughs> There's one where it's just like my family and it's like talking about my dad and it's just like real poorly drawn crayon drawings. But I'd been like doing that for a while. And so my mom just kind of like fed into it. And like I took my first like art class in high school, like official art class. But I would do like summer creative programs like like oh we're doing theater I was always in like some extracurricular yeah. like arts bullshit and it was a lot of fun and it was, sometimes it was really weird and sometimes even then like I was just like I don't like the way this mad this adult <laughs> is directing this play I could do it better and I'm like 12 like I just had opinions about stuff and how like I envisioned like how things could go better um and so I would I would do like those types of programming. I did like film school at Harlandale and then like animation. And then I like went into college and was like, I'm going to do fine arts. But when I got to Texas State, I was like, I'm going to go for design because that's something I could like get in. Yeah, <laughs> I can make a little bit of money. Yeah. Uh, just doing logos and stuff for people. And then once I left that program, I was working for Bear County, but I was also doing like the zine and I'd like jumped more. So now I do like full-time illustration. I left my yeah. job in Bear County and I do full-time illustrations. And so that can Ooh, like go. So you're kind of like blowing past it because I would have made it a whole life moment. Like when did you decide to make that plunge? Like, so like giving it, up that stated paycheck keeps a lot of people in things that they wouldn't do. You know what I mean? Well, let me go back to this. So like in third grade, <laughs> I was like, I have three career options. One of them <laughs> is be uh, on the U.S. women's soccer team and be Mia Hamm's best friend. <laughs> the second is be... Uh, Naturally. Yeah, of course. We'd totally be best friend. Um, and then the second was, like, be an actress on Saturday Night Live. Cause I, would, I love it! Because I, I would watch... My, like, my mom would let us stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. I really wasn't into Mad TV, but I love Saturday Night Live. What's your favorite kind of era of Saturday Night Live? Uh, I want to say, like, early 2000s. Okay. Like like two thousand oh so like, like early Chris like, Wayne like no Sherry no, O'Terry like, Will Ferrell like like Will Ferrell Molly Sha Molly Shannon. Shannon Rachel Dratch and uh -huh. like even like when Jimmy Fallon mm -hmm. was in there when he was like young Jimmy Fallon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, like that was always like super fun that mm -hmm. like those are things like when I think of SNL I'm mm -hmm. just like oh yeah that was good um, and even I still watch it now I still love it um, okay so I was gonna be on SNL mm -hmm. best friends with me and Ham soccer player uh, be on a Saturday Night Live. The other one was like, I'm gonna be an artist. And that was like, I was like, all of these things are attainable. Yeah. And then little by little, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm not that fast on the field. <laughs> I love soccer, but I should just watch it. And then it was Mia just... Ham's getting old. You yeah. would be the same generation. <laughs> yeah. And so uh until so like little by little, I just was like, okay, I'm gonna be an artist. But then like for leaving my job with Bear County, like I got that job because it was air conditioning. <laughs> like I walked in, it was super summer, I was looking for a place for Wi-Fi. My friend Jonathan was working there and I was like, hey man, give me a job here. There's air conditioning. And he was like, okay. And like, like, boom, I was hired. And then I ended up like really liking the job. I've worked with all the kids who like were in the community that I was raised in and worked in. And it was like four minutes from my house. I could take care of my dad. And then like my dad had passed away and I was just kind of like, well now what, like, what am I doing? This is kind of weird. Uh, like, all right, well, I'll just stay here and hang out. I'm doing the zine. That's fine. And then, like, it, I did, like, the second day of the dead poster that I've done, that I've designed for them. <coughs> and then, um, and then, like, my boss's boss left me a voicemail that was, like, really condescending. 
And I was like, I'm, it was like on my day off, 7.30 in the morning, a very condescending voicemail. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm okay. Like, like I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to wake up and I'll deal with this. But like, I felt really uncomfortable about going back. Cause I was like, man, like my programming is the most successful. Like there's a team book club because of me. Like, and all those kids, like, like I was the person putting in the work for retention. And when you would bring around people, you wanted to donate money that like you would bring them around during my programming mm. and you'd be like, Oh, and this is visible in our team book club. And they'd see you like Brown kids reading yeah, and like using devices and like learning and for like me to get a voicemail like that, I was like, well, now I see my worth and I think it's time for me to move on. Mm. And so I put in my two weeks and they gave me a cake at the end of it. And my friends still work there and I'm like, okay, with Galileo working there because the bosses that he work under, like I know them and they're good people and they'll take care of them. They'll be fine. But I was like, I should move on and focus on other endeavors. And so I'm almost going on two years doing freelance and it's been like a whirlwind. Wow. A lot of lessons. Yeah, I bet. I'm like still underpaid, but it's cool. I'm I'm doing a lot better than I was at this point last year. So yeah. it's good. Yes. <laughs> YTD. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any questions I can poker? Well, as far as like your creativity, what do you do when you feel like you get stunted? How do you kind of recharge yourself and kind of give yourself life again once you feel that you're drained? Um... So sometimes I'm working on projects for myself and sometimes I'm working on projects for other people. So like, like I did work for Planned Parenthood South Texas Mm -hmm. and I was really excited about that because I've been going to Planned Parenthood since I was 17 and it was really cool just to kind of like come full circle and be like, dang, thanks for the IUD. (laughs) Now now I'm going to do work for you. Um, But like doing work with them, they, they like, if you, it's really cool. Like, especially when you're working with somebody um, whether it's for a company or a nonprofit, when they're a person of color, because if I'm doing work for them, I can always, I feel comfortable going to talk to them mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, um, I'm a little lost on this. Can you give me like other reading material, something else to like refresh me on me? Like, what am I trying not just like design, but what am I trying to like draw that goes with it? I need like extras and they'll normally help me out. Um, but even with my own personal work, it's like, I'll be in my house and be like, oh man, like I just, I'm not getting anywhere. Like what, what am I doing? I'm just wasting my time. I'll take a break and I'll just go drive around this outside. Mm-hmm. I'll go to like El Sol and get tacos and just like people watch. And being like, this is, this is the community I'm trying to represent and create work for. And is that just like seeing people interact with each other, like real people watching and just like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is why I want to create art. And sometimes it's like going to the flea market too. I just like drive around and look at like all the hand painted signs like in San Antonio. Mm. Um, I'll meet up with a friend and hang out and then I'll go home and be like, okay, like I'm refreshed. I've stepped away from my desk. I just needed a moment to like remember why I do this. Yeah. Cause I could like, I got a friend who works for the city and was like, you could work dispatch $20 an hour benefits. And I'm just like, man, that sounds great. <laughs> like money all the time insurance. Like, and I have to be like, no, no, like I'm working towards something like, I have my, these, this is just like a short term project, but like, as I keep moving, this is just building up for something greater where I am like sustainable and I can pay my student loans. And like, like I, even when I'm poor, I think like you can still live in San Antonio and be happy even if you're poor. Like, and that's not something a lot of like major cities can say. Mm -hmm. 
And so like, I can ha live here as an artist. And I will say I do have a lot of privileges. Like I live with my mother, like we don't rent, we own the property. Um, but like, you can still live in this town and be happy and at least try and make a go of a creative field. Mm -hmm. And there's always people in the community who will support that. Like everything we've I've ever done, whether it's like the zine or like zine fest or even my art, like everybody's like, Hey, like, when's your next thing? You know, they're always looking out and being supportive of that. And it's really awesome. Like not like some other cities, it's everyone like clawing at each other, trying to get the leg up on one another. Mm -hmm. and who's the biggest this, but it's more in this city. It's more like, how can I help you? What do you need help with? Like, when are you going to do this? And I'm like, Oh, I'm planning for that. And they're like, let me know. Like, you want me to bring, like, I can make hot dogs. Like I, I need a fundraiser. for like, we, Got into LA Zine Fest for the first time, and we had a yard sale, and people donated stuff for the yard sale, and then people showed up and like buy the, bought their stuff back. <laughs> like, people like jumped to the yard sale and they would just buy other people's junk, and like and something would be like, oh, it's like seven dollars, and they would give us a twenty and be like, here, keep the change. That's awesome. Like San Antonio is a great fucking. I had a question that I didn't want to lose it. But, like, can you explain San Antonio Zine Fest and your zine to the audience? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'll start with our zine. So Santa Susia, it started as a joke in college because me and my hood rat friends were doing hood rat things. <laughs> and so like... At uh, Texas State? I yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I went there too, so I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Sharon would like hold like her Santos. <laughs> my friend Sharon would like hold her like Santos on her neck and be like, dang, I'm going to go hook up with this dude. Hopefully it goes well. And she's like holding her saints like she's making a prayer. And I was like, bitch, <laughs> oh you can't be... You can't be out here asking to be in for like, like, you know, this dude's going to like dick you down. And she's like, and she's just like, I can ask for whatever I want. And I was like, you need your own saint who's like a dirty girl and just like gets it. And so I came up with St. Susia and we would joke. It was a real joke. And we would be like, I like, it'd be dumb stuff. Like, yo, my birth control's working. Like, like when you get confirmation, you got your period and you're like, my birth control's working. It's just, just watching over me. But like, you go on party and then you wake up and your eye makeup is still perfect. Like, like Saint Susia has blessed me. Like it was real ridiculous, and I was like, man, like this could be something more because I feel like this is this is something necessary, like in our community, and like it was like a group project. Like I was like, would you want to help me on this? And people were like, no. <laughs> like I'll they're like I'll help some ways, but not in the ways you want. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I had met Natasha because both of our ex boyfriends are in the same punk band. And so like, that's how you meet people in this town. But like, <laughs> they were in the same fun band. And so I had gone to a bunch of her parties and I was like, yeah, she was a real cool girl. Like, yeah. I, I had no idea she had made a zine prior. And she had a zine called Sananta Post Wow. And it was like, just like San Antonio jokes. And it was yeah. like, just like photocopied and real crummy, but it was, it was really cool. And so I saw her at High Tones and I was like super trashed. And there was like a Kumia punk band playing. I don't know who. Excuse me, I'm like burping. Um, but like, she was like drinking and like standing by a trash can, like real like uneven. It's like, it's like she was really <laughs> fucked up and she was standing by a trash can, like just inside the door. And you're just like, oh, you're here by yourself. And I have a good time. <laughs> and so I came out of the bathroom and I was like, hey, hey. Cause like there was a band playing and I was like, hey, you wanna make, you wanna make a zine where like brown girls just like talk shit and be honest about their experiences. And she was like, yeah, okay. And we started meeting on her porch and a month later, we had our first zine. Like, we were texting our friends and saying, hey, I know you secretly write. And one time you read it to me when you were drunk. Let us publish that poem. 
And it was like, it took people some convincing and they're like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want people to read my poetry. And we're like, no, give us your goddamn poetry. <laughs> like, give us your poetry. And like, we put it together and we made like, we gorilla printed it. I can't say where, but it was a community college. Showed yeah. We showed up late. We had a, we had a code. And they were, <laughs> so they were poorly printed. We almost broke it. Um, but we made the first issue and we had it at uh, what is now like the Lucha Vote Bar. It used to be uh, Tequila Island. And it was like a gay Tejano bar. It was real dope. And the owner was just like, yeah, have a party here. It's fine. It's cool. And uh, we had the zine fest and like, we were like, man, I hope people show up. Like, you know, your mom paid for this. Chuck E. Cheese party with all the pizzas and the sodas and the ice creams and you better hope your fourth grade class shows up. And like, and so we're just like, oh my God, what if nobody comes? And then like people came out and it was a crazy party. We had bands play. Um, and it was really awesome. And so it went well. And so we made so a second one. Which one are you on now? We're going, we're currently editing our 13th issue. Wow. And it's our immigration issue. I and it, oh, like, well, we, we got one submission where it was a trans, it was a woman's letter from a detention center and it's translated by her daughter, but it's like the woman telling her life story. And we're like, fuck, we can't like fit this in the zine. I'll take too many pages. So I was like, we have to print another zine that goes with it. Like we have to give like this story its own booklet mm -hmm. and we'll just attach it to the other one. Like mm -hmm. they'll, they'll just be sold together. Cause we're like, if we edit anything out in this woman's story, it like you, you there's like pieces missing like everything that happened just kind of like came to like the ending and so we're like we have to we have to publish this so this issue is going to be like maybe our thickest we may have to add pages and then we have like that whole separate booklet so it's taking longer than normal because Natasha has to edit it and then I have to like put it together and then we have to like get so it how to long print. does it take you like start to finish <laughs> um oh. It takes because I was talking to like when I was talking to Carlos about like maybe doing our, our own. And I was like, dude, it's so Carlos easy. And, Car and yeah. I was like, you're crazy. Carlos is ridiculous. You don't fuck sleep. Carlos. I love Carlos, <laughs> but Carlos is not human. He's not. He's he's not from this earth, or he's an android. He does, like, he does not sleep. Like, he doesn't sleep. He's like typing up watching all of the movies. Like he's like constantly like watching movies and like somehow like still reading all of this stuff. Like reading just like, but he's like, oh, I've read this book by someone. So and they're just like, damn, dude, all I've seen you is like working and then like watching movies. Like he must like astral project or just like, <laughs> or is like a Dr. Manhattan where he could like split his body up into yep. like an infinite amount of people and just do work. Cause like he, like him and his, like his zines, all of his work. And for some reason we have the same printer and my printer just malfunctions constantly. Oh, and his no. printer is like shooting out like fucking <laughs> zines real easy. I'm like, how did you put the paper in there? Because it's not like picking up. And when it picks it up, it picks up like five of them. And then it prints it. And he's just like, no, you just put it in there. And I'm like, fuck you, Carlos. <laughs> but thank you for taking my call. I love you and respect you. Like, but like, yeah, like Carlos is real intense. He like, he just has it all down. And so for us to do, for us to like do our zine, it's much easier because um, I've made like, a, I've made our own grit because I got a degree in design. I got to use my degree. <laughs> I had to like call my friend Justin and be like, hey dude, how do I make a booklet again? And then he like walked me through it and I was like, okay, bye, 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 bye. And then like, and then we put together like our first scene because I forgot how to use InDesign. I was like, no, I, I remember now. Hard. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is coming back. Yeah. And so putting together an issue, it used to be easier. It used to be that we got like 25 submissions, like 30 submissions, and we could read all of them in one night. 
now we get like about a hundred submissions per issue and people are submitting like maybe they submit like three different artworks mm -hmm. or they'll submit like two poems two to five poems and that they could be like any length because we don't put a word count mm -hmm. and or it's like a short story and it's like kind of long mm -hmm. um but we have to like read through the submissions and it used to be we could do it all in one night and now it's just kind of we're absorbing everybody's like emotions and like I used to drive home crying, like I'd leave it to touch the house and be like, women endure so much. Like, oh my God. And like, and now I'm just kind of like, hey, let's take a break. I'll be back in two days and we'll finish the rest. Cause it, it was just a lot to take in. And then being like, okay, we've read everything. Now we need to like prioritize and put things in order. Mm -hmm. And then Natasha will edit like in the order that they are. And then I'll just start laying everything in. And then like, just get it. It's like, just get to print. Just to send it to the printers and then it's like oh okay it's done now we can have a party yeah but like putting it together is a lot especially like with this issue like the immigration issue it's been really hard to like read through everything and then the next issue we're doing is gentrification and then we're going to go on our final issue and it's going to be like a free-for-all our 15th our quince, like yeah we're doing it to we're gonna we want to have a big old party and like have like the mints and centerpieces <laughs> It's gonna be really we're just like we're just like the party wait the final though yeah we're gonna end it at 15. wow because it's been like we don't get paid for it it's just like a labor of love mm -hmm. and we accomplished our goal like it was just creating a platform for like brown girls to talk shit and be honest and people that we have like published especially like in our earlier issues they have like really like we've changed the narrative for them where they identify with whatever their day job is and they're like, oh, no, like, I just wrote that. It's like, it's not a big deal. And we're like, no, you're a published writer now. And so their narrative has changed where they're like, I'm going to be making my own book of just all of my work. And we're like, fuck, yeah, dude. Like, and like, they're submitting for grants and stuff now just for their own writing. That's awesome. And so it's just really changed the narrative for people. And that's like what we wanted. That's what we set out to do. And then like uh, our friend Magda, she so was teaching She's from San Antonio. She was teaching at UC Santa Barbara and she was the first person to like include our zines in her syllabus. Oh, wow. And we were, and we didn't even know, we were just like, we thought there was like a book club out in like Goleta, California. We're just like, that's weird. All these people are ordering it. And then like we scrolled back in the email and we're like, oh fuck, we're on a syllabus now. Like we have entered the academic realm. And it was really crazy because we were like, oh shit. So we ended up like going on a zine tour through California. We like Flew to San Jose, stayed the night there, uh, did San Francisco Zine Fest, went back to San Jose, took an overnight bus to LA, crashed at a dirty punk house, and then took the train to Santa Barbara, did a guest lecture like in her class and met a bunch of her students. It gave us pizza and lemonade, it was dope. <laughs> and then like went back to LA and then like party three days in LA and then and like had pop-ups. We had like two different pop-ups and then and then we came home. And it was like a whirlwind. But it was like the first time we got to like guest lecture at a university yeah, and say like, Oh, like it was, it suddenly became like, like the zine got was like serious before we were taking it really serious. Like around the second issue where it was just like, man, like strangers are submitting their work. Now people are entrusting us with their stories. So this is kind of serious. But then when it hit, when it went into the academic realm, it was like, Oh fuck, like maybe we are doing something right. And then from there, like we've been used in classrooms like at Northwestern, we're uh, even locally, uh, 
we're in university, like archived in university libraries, not just like UTSA, but like Duke University. Wow. And like Texas State, UT, we're in their libraries. And like, uh, like read, like our Rhode Island, like uh, School of Art and Design, like they have our shit in their libraries. Oh, wow. It's been like really fucking crazy because we'll just be like, like, oh, let me do mail out. And then it was like, oh my God, Duke University. Those people on the, like the television with the football, like, like, like things I know, like pop culturally, yeah. like, oh yeah, Duke's a big deal. Cause I've seen rich white men in movies say they're in their alumni. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know it's a big deal because of pop culture, but I'm like, we're in their libraries. Like we're taking up spaces on their shelves. Yeah. And so it's just really been like an amazing journey for us, but I'm like, Hey, we could do other things. And when I told Natasha, like, maybe we should stop doing the zine. She thought I was breaking up with her. And she was like, what? And I was just like, no, like, it's cool, man. Like, remember how we always joke around that we're like, we should do a sitcom. I was like, why don't we do a web series? Like, why not? And that's where like, all the content is doing video. But we have like, we, we like write down stuff and like, but we're like, we're pretty funny. And I think like, we both have like experiences that it'll be like, um, would be really yeah. cool. I haven't even watched it. Oh, it was, I it was pretty good. I had to cancel my because <clears throat> I watched the six episodes and I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> you all gotta go before it charges my account. Yeah, well, it charged like like three, four months because I'm a slow cancel. But yeah, yeah, like that's so, cool. So we want to do a web series and and like just write the narratives that we want. I was like, it's another form of representation. Like we wanted, we wanted to put narratives out there and it was like in print form. And I was like, let's do like a web series. Like, cause why not? Like I know enough about stuff. We have friends, you know, enough, like the, the, why not? So, and we, the zine's pretty exhausting, but we love doing it. So we may like still table and vend and just do reprints. Like the zine is sustainable. It makes money just like for every issue that's sold, that funds like two more issues to get printed. And so that, cause like the first scene we like put our money in and was like, oh man, I hope we sell enough to make back our money. And then by like the third issue, it had become sustainable. So now it's at the point where we can order like $4,000 worth of printing and like do like third and second, third and fourth editions of zines of like, oh, we need like one through like eight. And we can like, we have the money to pay for that. Mm. And because we're like, it's not like we sell out and then we're like, we're done. It's just like, no, like people still want this. Let's make like new issues. And so we're, we're just like constantly putting it out. And like Northwestern, they bought like 48, they bought like a class set. Yeah. And we're just like, dope. Like, and we have the money to be like, yo, we got this printed. Like, here you go. Like, <laughs> and so it's been really cool. But I'm like, let's, let's do other things. Like, and not doing the zine gives, gives us an opportunity to not just like explore a web series, but Natasha to like finish her novel she's writing. For me to like work on my graphic novel and so we're pretty excited we're gonna go all out with our 15th issue i don't know if i'm gonna wear a dress the bigger the ruffle the, the closer to the head there's gonna there's gonna be those mints they're <laughs> yeah. like nobody eats yeah. nobody eats them but they're there we're just gonna go to another pizza the weekend before and just like bag it out you already know i know i'm gonna say you already know that if we are gonna, gonna find peanuts in them too them like all right, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. Okay. It's ASMR. Listen. <laughs> Everybody's let's gonna all, whisper let's from all now on. Into the thing, nobody will listen. That's it. Um. 
know your height. Um, so yeah, go for that. Oh, I was gonna ask Isabel what you would tell, what would you tell your teenage self? All right, how old am I? Well, you no, are. No, no. no. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm what is the you age are, of my teenage self? That's you a are big range. 14. 14? When was that? Like eighth grade? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's like eighth grade, ninth, uh, freshman year, kind of. We say, like, if I was still a great band, hold on to them. <laughs> uh, you won't regret that. All your t shirts. Um, I don't want to be like, oh, it gets better, but or something, but I'm like, it does get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more of like, okay. you're getting it right. Mm-hmm. And everything you're about to endure, I don't want to say like it's for a reason, like there's like a higher power, but like you survive everything and you end up being a really, like you're still a good person at the end of it. I'm very proud that like, I'm like, damn, I couldn't been way worse and like because me me and Sasha had a conversation the other day we were driving Oscar and we were like what is the alternate reality like Mm -hmm. worst versions of ourselves oh my gosh and I was like oh man like I would have been a doctor or lawyer or nurse like those were the jobs my dad like wanted me to be and I was just like I would have been awful at them (laughs) like I would be the worst nurse or doctor like like I I cry watching episodes of Scrubs like I couldn't (laughs) like I had real patients like I'd be the worst doctor but like, I was like, I think we're the coolest version of ourselves. And like, if you think about all like badass people you know, they've been through some real shit and survived it. Mm-hmm. And they've like learned all these lessons. And then that's why like, you think of, you, you just like see the end product, but you don't like know all the bullshit that they went through. And so I would probably tell myself like, you're gonna be okay. And just keep going and you'll be fine. Who are some of your idols growing up? Um, who did you look up to? Ooh. Let's see. I liked Carmen Lomas Garza. I liked her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, like her artwork, I was like, it speaks to me. Like, cause like on the property we live in, it's like real rancho with like nopales and stuff, like a big yard. And so I would see myself reflected in her work. Um, I liked a lot of Spielberg movies and his storytelling because it like. He says it in a documentary. It was like, "How do you feel the, how do you feel the heart of a lonely child?" I think he's still very much so direct. Like most of his really great stuff, yeah, you can see is made for like eight-year-old self. And like if you watch mm-hmm. the documentary, like he does, like they did about himself on HBO. He's like working out his own personal issues through his movies, and it's been really cool. Maybe not Jaws. I don't know if you ever had an interaction with the shark. <laughs> but, but like he's like with ET. It was like you know, how do you feel the lonely heart of a child? And so, like, I would see his movies and, like, feel inspired by storytelling. And, like, whether it was just, like, you know, the words that people would say or the visual storytelling when no one's talking. And so I really, like, I loved movies, especially his movies. Um, but, like, I'd read a lot. I read, like, I loved Harry Potter. And that was just, like, that's a good book for, like, a good series for, like, you know, it, especially like I was in fifth grade like uh, like fourth fifth grade when like the book the first couple of books were coming out yeah and so I was reading that and I feel like there, there are things in those books that happened that were like little bricks and like who I was gonna be like morally as a person where I'm like well we should be looking out for the smaller people and 
make sacrifices for like the greater good and like just little things in those stories and there's like still like really crummy stuff that happens in those books like, i was listening to binge mode that podcast mm-hmm. and they were like going down it and they're just like man harry potter like completely ignores his friends like like ron being like well i'm poor and it's just like well, why don't you buy shit for ron like you got all this fucking money but like there's still like just things that happen to them and it's just like you know how they uh cope with situations yeah. and make the best of it and i was like so those were like things i was reading um then like in like high school i was still watching a lot of movies and then like community college that's like when mas rudas was like at the height of their stuff like they just like exploded and so i would see like mari hernandez <clears throat> and like ruth boteo uh kristen gomez and like christina and it was just like really cool to be like dang like look at these brown women like like doing shit they're doing art they're like in galleries or creating the stuff that they want to see and it was like the rosquache like that was their point was like like communities of color make the most of what they have and they value it um so i was really looking at their stuff and so i was thinking like maybe one day i'll like i'll grow up and like be good enough to be a peer and join mas rudas and like that's not what happened but i did grow up to like yeah yeah Yeah, like i and but like i know them i'm friends with them like we respect each other we talk to each other like and it's just been really cool just like seeing like oh fuck like i want to i want to know those people like i want to be cool with them and be respected by them like as a peer and like now i am and it's just kind of like that's awesome like now what do we do together that we can like grow Mm -hmm. like i think i'm always kind of like looking for the next thing and that's I like uh, like just being like okay we like got over this hurdle and we've learned a lot of lessons now what can we do with what we have and sometimes it takes like figuring shit out and like making mistakes and then it's like cool like now we've done this like so that's why we're like stop the zine let's do a web series and then like I don't think like I don't want to stay stagnant I'm like I'm like okay like I'm doing some art and you know what let me write a children's book like just because I want to and so like that's just me moving forward and like realizing like if I don't see it, if I don't see somebody else doing it, maybe I have to be the person to like try. And maybe I'll be that person. Like, I don't know. Sometimes like there's not someone particularly you can like, like you know, like a brown fat woman from the south side of San Antonio may not, like I may not have that hero, but I'm like maybe I'll be that to somebody else. Cause I've like, tread like you know pioneered whatever you've carved your own path yeah i've just like carved it and then somebody like it's all about like just leaving breadcrumbs for like everybody else so like now i'm like thinking about like bigger things like i'm like fuck the south side has no like art nonprofit. like on the east side there's tons of nonprofits. the west side has tons of like culturally specific nonprofits. the south side doesn't have shit so i'm just like i have a little bit of an art collection like how do i start the first south side like art museum because my first art museum that I was exposed to was like Hometown Buffet because they had a Norman Rockwell collection. Mm. And they were all prints. But I was like, dang, like I didn't go to like McNay until late high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how do I create a, like and expose my community to art? Because my mom made sure that like we went beyond the South Side and we were doing stuff. So I'm trying to like, okay, nobody's doing this. Maybe I have to figure this out. And I have like a great community to back me up. But I just gotta like research, talk to people, and like see like like right now I'm thinking that 
I'm gonna have to do like a pop-up at the flea market like it sounds really crazy I told my sister and she was like uh that's weird <laughs> <laughs> and I was like you're the wrong person to call and like I called my friend Georgia no, I, was like, I was like you're the wrong person to talk to about this because she's like that's weird I don't know how that's I was like no you're not like you're not hyping me right now I need, I need a hype person and I called my homie Giorgio and I was like yo Giorgio I got this idea like I can't afford to rent a space like buy the building that I want there's a building that I want on the south side I can't afford to buy it I can't even afford to rent it what can I do right now I can afford to rent like a $17 space at the flea market because that's the community that I was raised in that I want to uh -huh. serve it's immigrant first second generation uh, low, uh, low income working class communities and I want to like expose them to art that's like created in their neighborhood like in their city so are you gonna set up like white walls I think I'm gonna like have to talk to my deal because they're like my deal is a carpenter like my dad uh, and they'll basically whatever I want they'll give me like they'll help me like I had to do I in college I had to like build a chair <laughs> but I had like different problems than other people because I'm like well I weigh 250 pounds yeah like my friend uh Crystal, she weighs 90 pounds, so of course she could build her shit out of hula hoops. Like, and so I'd like, ask my dad, be like, hey, can you help me build these things? And he would like get me all the tools. And my uncle's the same way. He's just like, whatever you need, I can help you. So he sells at the flea market every Saturday, Sunday too. So I'm gonna be like, hey, can you get me some drywall? <laughs> and we're gonna like put it up somehow and like just make it accessible and just be like, we're not trying to make money. We're just trying to expose people to art. This is the community that needs it. And so like that's where I'm thinking of like, okay, I don't have I don't have capital. As the lady on the phone told me. She was nice about it. She's like, You have no money or credit and I was like, Thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> then she's like, You can't buy this building, but you know, good luck and I was like, Thank you, Sarah <laughs> like but like this is something I can do and like my, my deal's gonna back me up. And like I have like some artwork that I've made payment plans on and maybe I can get stuff like loaned from friends. And just put it up and I expose mean, people. Like on loan. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like why not? So I'm like trying to figure something out and making do with what I have now, and trying to think like in the future. Where do you think you get this resourcefulness from? Uh, like my like my parents, like my mom. Well, my dad being from Mexico, living in the mountains, and then like my mom, like her family, my grandparents, my mom's parents survived like the Great Depression, mm. and so. Like they they took their skills and were like, we're gonna buy property on the west side of San Antonio, which is now like four ten, mm -hmm. and Marbach. They bought property, and all their kids lived in a tent. There was just like a banana tree and a tent, and then like my grandfather built a home, and they all moved in there, and then they bought a house. Like it was just like little steps. Like they lived in the Alazan courts. They bought property, lived in a tent, built a house like out of brick in the back. And then they bought another house that would be like Hildebrand, like those fancy old Spanish style homes. Yeah. And they moved the house in pieces out there. And like, it was real quick. Like there's photos from it because my grandfather was like documented everything. Uh, and then they put it on that land and then everybody moved around. They were old enough to like move out and stuff. But it was just like my mom growing up like that, like, oh, I'll sew my own clothes. Or, you know, what, what do we have? Okay, this is, she always did these things where like, what is this and we'd be like oh it's a it's a bowl and then she'd be like but what can it be and we it was like a game would be like it's a hat and being like oh it does this or like maybe like you, you put your radio in it and it makes it louder like she would always do these like games where we had to like problem solve uh, and so that's why i think i'm really good at it yeah. but it was like my dad's 
like resourcefulness, just living in Mexico in the mountains, like, and then like my mom's resourcefulness, like put together. Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of like, all right, well, what can we do right now? And then yeah. make plans for like long term. It's like a muscle that you worked out very well. Yeah, it's like like I'm like I love that I'm like this because I know people who are not like this, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, like, and the, there may even not be the people who want help, and I'm like, oh, you could do this, and I'm like holding, I'm just like trying not to like do it for them, but also trying to guide them to like the easiest, like most effective like mm-hmm. answer, but yeah, like I I've like I'm definitely like a mixture of both my parents. And like, I'm super grateful that I have the opportunity to like, even think about working in art. Like, like my dad was just like, be a doctor or a lawyer. Cause those are tangible things he mm-hmm. could understand. Like he knows what their jobs are. I also feel like, <clears throat> the, so for instance, my sister has a full blown like four year degree and mm-hmm. then she decided to go into banking. And when that happened, my dad was like, but why though? Yeah. Like you were doing this whole other thing and you're going to work in this field and all of a sudden you want to bust your ass on like hard labor. Yeah. And I think they, they want like, they don't want us to struggle. I think it's, it's like, you, I don't know. I think especially with like immigrant parents is like all of their sac they want all of their sacrifices to be worth it for you. They want you to have like security yeah. and like a roof. Like, you're warm, you're fed. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going off and doing something a bit creative, he's like, whoa, 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 that's not a doctor, lawyer, and <laughs> that's not in the list of things we said you could be. But, like, my mom supported it, and my dad was always like, okay, all right, fine, yeah. Like, <laughs> your mom says it's cool. And I'm like, and so, like, even when he was sick, and then, like, I was like, hey, Dad, like, let me show you something I made. And then somebody gave me money for it. And so, like, I showed him, like, this booklet that I did. And he was like, that's nice. Like, he was like, okay. And I was just like, and here's a physical check that I made. And you see the zeros on there. <laughs> and then, like, he had to, because otherwise I was, like, getting, like, I was just drawing and, like, getting, like, PayPal payments or whatever. And so he's like, you need to, go, like, he wanted to see me physically leave the house. Hmm. Um, is it cool? Yep. Okay. Good. He wanted to see me like physically leave the house for a couple of hours and then return home and then have like a piece of paper with numbers on it. <laughs> yeah. And so at the end he was like, Oh, I get it. Like you this is your office. This is and I'm like, Yes, Ned. <laughs> like, this is it. And he was like, Oh, okay. But yeah, like they get real nervous because all of a sudden you're like, you know, oh, I'm going to college for this. Yeah. And then it's like, I want to do this, and they're like, Oh fuck, what is that? Like <laughs> When I told my dad that I wanted to be a journalist, he was like, and what's the um, job prospect out for that? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we touched on this briefly, and we can jump back to self-care after, but you mentioned like coming to terms with your body and accepting yourself for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that might have been what attracted me most to following you because you were being really honest to like, this is it. Yeah. Make it or leave it. Um, what what kind of work did you have to do through that? Like to get to that space? Um Okay, so there was like a Twitter post where a a Twitter somebody tweeted something about like diet pills and I was like laughing because I was like, LOL, like my teenage self like taking diet pills. 
Like, now I'm just like, that's so fucking crazy. And, like, I, I tweeted it, and then other people I knew were like, oh, dude, what did you take? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, all these people I know, like, were taking diet pills in high school when we absolutely shouldn't have. Like, it was just like, oh, hydroxycut and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would go to South Park Mall and, like, go to the GNC and be like, oh, okay, what's what, am, what can I take that doesn't make my heart explode? Like, And it was, like, so strange because, like, I had always been a chubby kid. Mm-hmm. And I even had family members who would like say shit to me and I would, it just made me more like anxious and weird about my body. Um, and like even my sister, she was, she was like mean to me about my body. And now she's like, kind of like completely come out of that. And she's done like, she like would read and educate herself and know like, hey, like I was fucked up to you, the things I said, like it wasn't cool. And now She's like super body positive. Um, she she doesn't like tell me anything when I'm like I'm gonna wear this, and she's just like it's cute. Like I'm like thank you. Like, <laughs> Dang, I could have been living like this my whole life. <laughs> like, um, but it like I guess in I guess like community college, I was kind of like real weird about my body because I had lost weight because I did roller derby for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I had like lost weight and I was more muscular. I was like my physical prime. And I was also banging a lot of dudes. And I was like, just being like, like naked around them. Like afterwards, we were just like hanging out. And I would just like sit up and be naked, like on the sofa and just like chill. Cause I was like, this is chill time. I did work, you did work, it was cool. And like, I would just be there. And like some guy was just like, you're really comfortable being naked, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I live in this body. Like, and he was like, oh, because normally people, like, really, like, cover up or whatever. And I was like, well, like, I like I, I still felt like I was the same person when I was, like, fat and when I was, like, at my physical prime. And I was like, well, like, I'm okay. Like, this is what I look like. You fuck me. Like, whatever. Like, you can't <laughs> say anything now. And then, like, later on, I, like, as I started to, when I stopped doing roller derby and I started to gain weight again, I was like, my mom was kind of like real nervous. She's like, oh, you, you've gone up a size and like real nervous. And I was just kind of like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. And what I had to like figure out the words to like tell her and tell myself was that like happiness doesn't come when you hit a number, mm-hmm. when you're below something. Like at any size, you can still do shit. You can like, you can exist and be happy like because it's just like as much like mental health too and so yeah like i still travel i travel extensively like a lot i should get that pre-tsa shit because i travel so much and i have friends who are like i i don't i don't travel because i don't want to fly because i don't want to deal with being in a plane and being next to somebody and like even when i get on the plane and everyone's looking at me and like the seatbelt doesn't fit and i'm just like hey fuck them like (laughs) Who gives a shit? You paid for that seat, whatever. Yeah. And like sometimes you just snug on somebody and they're cool with it. And sometimes they're not. And like they can throw caras all they want, but you're on that fucking plane too. Yeah. And like, um, and I'm and when you get on a plane, you can ask for a seatbelt extender. It's the thing that they do the safety thing with that they're like, look at us for in case this like plane mm. explodes and we're going down. They like hold it and it's just like that's just an extender. And so I used to feel like shame asking for it, like. I'd whisper and like 
it was really weird. And now I'm just like, hey, can I get a seatbelt extender? And they're like, yeah, here you go. And I'm like, cool. The first time I had to do it, I was like, oh my god, no. And then the second time, I was like, whatever, I just need it so I don't fall off the plane. Yeah. And then <laughs> so this, don't yeah. fall off the plane. And then this time coming back from Memphis, I did have to get one. And I was like, can I get an extender? Like whatever. And it changes on some planes. Like sometimes, like I didn't need one. Yeah. We went to Cancun on the way there. I needed one, but on the way back, I didn't. And I was like, no, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. But I'm not. I'm no longer freaked out because I'm like, man, like, I travel pretty extensively. I do a lot of shit. And maybe, like, now I'm more not, I'm not embarrassed to, like, hey, I'm going to walk a bit slower than you. You do your thing. I'm going to get there, too. Like, like, and then and then I'm not afraid to be like, let's just take a fucking Uber because this is, like, four miles. I'm going <laughs> to take an Uber. I'm wearing these shoes. I came to look cute. Yeah. I don't want to arrive all sweaty. <laughs> We're just going to take it over. I'll fucking pay for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just realizing like even like currently I weigh 311 pounds and like I was able to fly to Mexico. I like hiked uh, Tulum because it's like you have to like hike around. It's all and it's like in Mayan ruins. There were women there like not dressed to hike. I was like, you're wearing flip flops, no hat, no sunblocker. Like what? Like you're looking real cute right now. But then at the end of it, they were just like melting. I was like shorts. Oh. And I deodorant my legs so I don't shave. So I can wear those cute shorts. Like, I go fully prepared, tennis shoes, like, good tennis shoes. And, like, I hiked all around. I did all the stairs. And maybe it takes me a little longer, but I'm, I'm like, I fucking did it. And there's no reason why I can't exist in any of these other spaces for, like, what I look like and, and like, how much I weigh or how much space I take up. Like, I don't, I don't mind it anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, like, and now I'm, like, you know, changing my style, so... Yeah, I'm getting, like, weird at the thrift store, and I'm like, this is dope. And, like, also what helps is me being like, oh, this makes me feel, like, real sci-fi, like an alien. Like, you know, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, where's this thing? And this is kind of like it, so I'm like Sigourney Weaver right now. <laughs> and, like, just, you know, really playing along with my playing with my outfits. and. I think that you were one of the first people that I saw use FUPA in, like, a public post. And I was like, I'm going to Google that. And I did. And then I was like, oh, I have one of those. Yes, and now Beyonce's fucking using Poopa. Like, and yeah. everybody's like, yes, Beyonce. And I'm like, Beyonce Wait. doesn't have one, first of all. And second of all, I think that... I mean, she's given birth to three children, so it's she's got to have little. Yeah. She's long. I'm not saying it's a, like a big Poopa. She's soft. She's soft right <laughs> Yeah, she's soft. But, yeah, like, yeah, acknowledging, like, how my Poopa looks in certain things. And, like, not... And, like, it, that, my fupa has been, like, a process because I felt it, like, kind of get bigger. And I'm just like, oh. And you know what? Like, in my apartment – or, no, I don't have an apartment. In my house, there's not a full-length mirror in, uh, like, our room or Galileo's room. But in my mom's room, there's one. But I don't, like, walk all the way to her room to go look in the mirror. So most of my mirrors, like, they go to, like, below my belly button. And so we went to Cancun, and I put on my bathing suit, and suddenly there was, like, a full-length mirror. I was just like, oh, Okay, that's what my legs look like, you know, in a bathing suit. And I was just like, a little dimply, but still cute. And they're all brown. And I was like, yeah, like I was excited to like tan my little leg, my yeah. chubby legs, and like have fun. But like, I'm. It was, it was funny because I wore like a crop top like twice, and then there was like that chingona fest, and they were like most body positive, and I was like, I wore a crop top twice. Like, <laughs> I was wearing a bunch of Star Wars T-shirts. Like, like everybody chill out. Like yeah. everybody. Just, it's okay. Like it's I, really funny because when I do post like the like that photo in Austin where I'm wearing a crop top and like 
room. He's like, yes, this photo. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I'm real sweaty. (laughs) And now I'm just kind of like, I... Like, I, I just like to just be like, hey, here's me looking good out there, whatever. I'm into it. Yeah, and just, just kind of, like, I don't think I'm like, oh, like, you know, plus size and everything. And, like, because, like, I'm, I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm on, I just want to exist right now. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be like, like, I think I can exist without, like, super, like, promoting anything and just, like, just be seen for, like, me. But it's still, like... But then I'll still go back and be like, yeah, okay, hashtag F your beauty standards. Because I'm like, I'm in this community. Let me acknowledge it. But then I just like to, like, exist and try and be cute for me. Yeah, and the you cool know, thing like, is, like, you're, you don't, like, you're saying you venture out and you, like, dip your toe into different pools, like you're saying, of color and, like, patterns yeah. and textures and all this stuff. And yeah. You're, you're like, not, horizontal stripes. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, I'm down. And I got all this yeah. shit, like, horizontal stripes. And you won't know unless you actually try yeah. it. And that's the important thing. I got thing, so many horizontal stripes now, like, <laughs> And I was like, does this shimmer? I like it when it shimmers. Because it shimmers on my roll and I'm down with that. Like, if you see me in the sun, my roll shimmer. Like, I'm, like, totally just down for it. Um, but, yeah. Let's talk about self-care. We try mm-hmm. to talk about it with every one of our guests. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. It's some garage band because I don't trust Anchor. Um, Sponsored by. Back. <laughs> no sponsors yet, but just help. Hit us up. Um, what do you do? For self-care, go to Peter Piper Pizza. Yes, but <laughs> we made, Christina and I made plans for Sunday brunch. Add Peter Piper. <laughs> Man, Peter Piper pizza is delicious. Like if I think about it, I could taste the very specific cheese that they have. Like it's not like regular cheese you can get at the store. It's like mozzarella, <laughs> but there's like a special taste to it that is just like nostalgic of like like middle school and high school. Cause like my and mom. Square pizza. Like no, like that age where you would go hang out there. Like oh, someone's having a birthday party there. Cause like. In elementary, it was, like, Chuck E. Cheese, and then we finally got a Peter Piper pizza, and then, like, going there after, like, football games, like, in the high school, we'd be like, oh, we got a Peter Piper pizza, and we'd hang yeah. out, and, like, kiss in the little photo booth or whatever, oh. um, but, uh, yeah, like, going there, and then there's just, there's, like, the alien game, and it's, like, alien resurgence or something, and, like, when you shoot it, it, like, moves, and it's, like, chicka, 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 chicka. <laughs> and, like, you just, like, fucking unload on these dudes. And then there's a button so you can shoot grenades or, like, a flamethrower. <laughs> and so, like, I've gone there, like, when I'm about to have just, like, a breakdown. Because I'm, like, let me just eat some pizza. There's a pitcher of beer. And I'm just going to eat, like, probably this whole medium pizza. And I'm going to get some tokens. And I'm just going to shoot aliens. Like, just <laughs> shoot xenomorphs. And then, like, I'll go, like, do that other game. It's, like, gambling where you just put the tokens and they fall. And then, like, it moves. Oh, and you're not gonna, when I, that's, like, when I'm, like, all right, I don't have enough tokens to, like, play this other big game. But let me just try and get more tickets. But I'll, like, play that alien game. And it just totally relaxes me. I like all the noises. It's fun. And I'll, I'll just, like, eat pizza, drink beer, and, like, hang out. And there's, like, birthday parties and shit going on. <laughs> if there's a fundraiser going on, I'll tell the people that I'm with the fundraiser. So whatever it is, like, Southside Little League, like, they'll get my money, like, for their pizza. I'm like, yes, I'm with the fundraiser. And I'm just like, hey, guys, enjoy the three bucks. Like, but, yeah, I'll go there and hang out. <clears throat> I enjoy a lot of people watching, like, at the flea market and at, like, taquerias. 
Um, okay, so Queen of Tacos. Oh. Um, where do you get tacos? Uh, I think what's your taco order? Uh, like breakfast tacos? Anytime. Oh, I like breakfast tacos. I like going to El Sol. It's right across, because I went to Harlandale too. I went to McCollum and Harlandale. Mm-hmm. And it was like right across the street. And they have like the best like limonada. Mm-hmm. Which is probably like cocaine in it or something. <laughs> it's like, so delicious. Um, it had like demerits on their health and stuff. I was like, oh. I don't care. They're like, I'm like, I, they're like, oh, there's roaches. I'm all, so there's roaches at your mother's house. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, uh, but I absolutely love it. The place is good for people watching. There's a, a drawing in here that I did of like, I was like watching this dude while I was eating. I both get this. And it's just this guy eating an enchilada plate. And like, there's just all this spur shit behind him. And like, and I'm just like, I just like looking at people in my community and just being like, I love you. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. I was reading this book by the National Endowment for the Arts and it was talking about placemaking. And it was talking about like what makes like a community. And there's this thing that they refer to as dark matter. And it's not something that's like essentially like tangible, but it's like what is what ignites like your senses and what makes your com- like neighborhood a community. And I'm just like, oh, like that's like the things that I can't really put down on paper. It's like the sound of the jukebox playing mm-hmm. like cumbia, and it's like the sound of a fajita plate, and everybody Sizzling. turning to look at it, <laughs> and then like kid, like a kid crying, and like people ordering in Spanish, and the woman replying in English, and then like going back and forth between the language, mm-hmm. and like all the spur shit on the walls that's like dusty from like the 1999 championship, or like Maria's. Where it's yeah. Like oh yeah, the chachkis. Yeah. Like a velvet Elvis somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, like, <laughs> and there's just like so many things that like go in, and I'm just like, this is home. Like I don't know, the other day I was I was just maybe I was mentoring, but I was just at H E B and I was like, I fucking love this city. Like I don't know, I just feel so lucky to be living in San Antonio, and maybe that's because, like, also. Like Galileo, my partner's from LA, and I'm just like, man, like I used to think California, like when I was younger, because I've seen movies and television shows, I was like, it's probably like super dope. Man, California's a fucking shit show. Like everyone's just like working to survive, and like there's no downtime, and it's like just like life is really hard. Everyone's living on top of each other. Traffic fucking sucks. Like years of his life. We're just in traffic. Whereas for me, I'm just like, man, it takes like four minutes to get somewhere. <laughs> or like less than 15. Like, and definitely less than 30, even if yeah. you're going across town sometimes. And I'm just like, and I just feel very fortunate that I'm like, man, like, I was raised in one of the like greatest cities ever. And, and like, yes, it is changing, but there's still like stuff that like will never like leave. And like, I don't know, I just love my city and the people in it. And, like that's what really keeps me going where I'm just like, yeah, like I'm creating art for this community and like just trying to document as much as I can because like, I don't know, I'm like, dude, living in LA, like every, it sounds like palm trees and shit, but also you have like a crazy homeless problem and everyone's working like three jobs and it's like the only people that you see who are actually enjoying living there are rich people. And I was like, here, you can be poor and be happy. Like you still get like, an okay education um but like i don't know like you could be poor and be happy in this town and that's like what i love about it like i don't know there's like bean and cheese tacos for less than a dollar (laughs) 
like that should be the gauge for everything. Well, you know, in like the, I was watching some video came into my Facebook feed and it was about like Philadelphia and their love for like soft pretzels, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is Philadelphia's version of the bean and cheese. I, I didn't even know that. that. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like a, a weird video that was just like Philadelphia and soft pretzels. And I just like got sucked into watching a five minute documentary and every people eat it for like breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's like what they serve to the kids at school. Like, and you can get it with like, like you know, cheese or like mustard, mustard or like different things. Uh, but it's their bean and cheese taco. That is so crazy. I didn't get it either. I don't think I had one when I was there all the uh-huh. time, but there was a mess. Isn't that crazy to think that each city has their own version of the bean and cheese taco? Seattle has teriyaki. I don't know if that's their bean and cheese, but they're known for their teriyaki. Teriyaki what? Like chicken? Anything. Just like yeah. teriyaki like just, flavor? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if that's their bean and cheese. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was thinking about like the old Mama Margie's where, where like Mama Margie's is now like on the south side. So that building that's like next to it, I don't know what they put in there. I don't know what's in there. It's a huge mystery. But it used to be like skate time, and I would go roller skating there like all through like elementary and middle school. Like on my when I wasn't at school, I was roller skating. Yeah. And so, Mama Margie's used to be on Zarzamora and Military, like where it's like a Walgreens down. That's where it was, mm. and it's like seventy nine cent bean and cheese all the time, and like and then uh, they ended up move. Then the price went up to like eighty three cents. And people were like, no, I want to know where my extra four cents are going. People were like, inflation. Like, it's the government. Like, I don't know who was president. It was like, damn, Clinton, like, raising prices. It was like super crazy. But it was like, inflation. And then they ended up moving. They like tore down half of skate time and moved. And like, I think it's like a dollar something now, maybe. Or it's like 89 cents. It's something. But I just remember like 73 cent bean and cheese. And then when it went up to like, it went up like four cents. People were like, right in the streets. <laughs> How dare you? That's too funny. I love that. Well, thank you for being here with us. Yes, yeah. we appreciate your time so much. Had a good time. We hope we saved that audio. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. We're going to make it work. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Fire around. <laughs> you figured it out. If not, it's okay to redo stuff. I'm down to come back. Just get it on the cheese ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll make it on um, But yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Alrighty, so that was our episode 23 with Isabel and Castro. This is Elsa. And just a reminder, you can always listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And keep on tagging us in your Insta stories. We appreciate it so much and love seeing them. And as always, remember to own your I Do moment. Bye, guys.